When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Dukes. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. And I'm Justin Poulin. Joining me, as always, is John Duke. And we're here with absolutely no basketball to talk about. A bunch of little detail type of things. But mostly, we just want you to know that we're here for you, and content has to come out because what the hell are you going to do with your time, right? I mean, has honestly, can we, we just need we're to do forced. our part to entertain you through the next at least two weeks based on how they're closing schools. But, John, I, I think this thing could go till the end of April. I've heard a lot of people say July, but – I think once things warm up and, you know, especially as, as the warm weather starts to creep up from the south, this thing, I think, will get under control. But I, I am going to say last week or I guess maybe it was two. Was it two weeks ago or is it only a week ago? It was uh, only a week ago. ago. week ago. Yeah. So I was a little upset. I was a little. Yeah. This is a sham. <laughs> yeah. And even as late as Friday night, I was still a little upset. But then I canceled my flights, all my travel plans, and I think a certain level of social responsibility set in uh, from the standpoint of the, the first time I got exposed to flatten the curve was Saturday morning. And as a healthcare provider, that resonated with me. It resonated with me to a point where I completely 180'd and said, eh, you know what? My customers are hospitals. They're not going to let me in the front door anyway. So why do I have to be such a jerk about this? I can just work on being productive at home, be a leader, and play my part in at least attempting not to spread it, even if it doesn't even wind up being that big of a deal. But I think when we talked last week, my whole attitude was me and my family were really not at risk. But that kind of was a myopic view, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. Uh, and I mean, look, it's not crazy to be talking about this and be like, oh, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. Our whole lives, right? We're, you know, we're in our 40s. 
right? There has never been anything like this. 9/11 is the only thing that that any anywhere near you know similar is at all anyway similar to what we're dealing with right now. But 9/11, but was it was a single not, incident that right. had six months at least of sure. emotional follow uh, fallout sure. for the people who weren't directly involved. I realize yeah. that that lasted a lot longer for right. people who were directly impacted, but you Absolutely. know, for you and me. Right. We didn't know anybody, et cetera. You know, there was a six-month total curveball in yeah. your emotional attitudes and behavior and everything else. And we're seeing that. No, this is not almost- behavior. Not behavior. That's the difference. That's exactly the point, though, right? Emotionally, yes. But we okay, have never point. had to change who we are. Well, you know, and this if, is If you don't live in Metro New York or Metro impact- Washington – you're right. You know, or impact. not flying all over the country. If you didn't have to do any of those things, I don't fly all that often. I know you do now, but you if, at that point time. you weren't doing all that much flying, right? I mean, Correct. for those of us, our lives have never changed in our whole life. We do what we want when we want. We go shopping when we want. We go out to eat when we want. You know, we touch the doorknobs, whatever. You know, Spoiled. we don't don't wash our hands, right? Let's go back our, our parents' generation, right? Baby boomers. Same deal. They're not. They've never had to do any of this stuff. Let's go back further. World War II. That was really the last time our society, our American society, ever had to change anything. And so now we've got generations, multiple series of generations that have been able to do what they want when they want. And so it shouldn't be a surprise, really, from a sociological standpoint, that we don't know how to deal with this. The problem is that okay it's here and when truth isn't truth anymore oh boy this is going to get deep now isn't it uh when truth isn't truth anymore and you can't believe or people aren't believing what they're reading what they're hearing what they're seeing what they're being told by people they should be thinking you know listening to uh, by basis of what position they're in it's a really big problem (laughs) it's a huge problem and and so we are we're in a bit of a crisis not just in the fact that we're dealing with this this pandemic, this is a very real life-threatening situation, but we have multiple generations of people in our country that don't know how the hell to do anything other than what they want to do when they want to do it. I think that's the that's the, the crash that we're finding ourselves in. And uh, so I don't blame you at all for, for being there, but I give you credit for getting out of that space and now you're – you know, you're 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 ready to move, and and hey, look, we gotta be smart out there, and so good on you. Well, and the truth is too, with 9/11, all of the change happened after the incident. What is truly unique about this situation is we're asking everybody to change before the incident, before mm. the numbers come out, mm. and a lot of what I read right after flatten the curve was the whole concept that we're two weeks behind Italy or three weeks or, you know, two and a half weeks or whatever it was. But and I definitely understood the concept of, you know, these viruses spreading exponentially and the numbers being an exponential thing. And I think the frustration for me is I I do believe that this has been in the country a lot longer. Like, I don't think this has just popped up. I think when you're talking about the denominator, which is something that we discussed last week, and you're talking about the availability of tests, a lot of that 
you know, I think is skewing the numbers, right? Like where, do, where are the supplies? Where are we checking all of that? Like, I literally think that this may have been in the country since December, just as long. Um, it's hard not to believe that somebody traveled from China over to the United States since December. And the first cases showed up in, you know, the Seattle area two months later I'm not sure. sure that I believe that. I think that, especially when you know that there is such a um, varying degree of symptomatology that is presenting itself, it's totally within reason that this has already been residing dormant in our culture for quite a while. However, the other part that resonated with me was the fact that this thing mutates. It mutates every time it goes from one person to another. And so the fact that this could go from something that is very much what I thought it was last week, which is really a minor threat to the large majority of the population, to becoming indiscriminate on age and comorbid health issues, that's the part that I thought that's where the social responsibility comes in. It's not just protecting the people over 65 and definitely the people over 80 and 90 and the people with comorbid health issues. It's also about not giving the virus an opportunity to change itself and become more deadly mm-hmm. as it spreads. That is the part that I think really started to kick in was like, mm. now we may not be able to control the spread. It may still do all of those things. But if we do both at the same time, allow it to spread rapidly and it mutates, then a situation where the hospitals don't have enough ventilators and beds and supplies to take care of a targeted population goes into an absolute death toll Mm -hmm. that easy. And so that's the part where I really started to grasp the big picture. And uh, there are people. Uh, there's a 41 year old uh, physician in New York state, you know, somewhere who has uh, the illness and is a marathon runner and he's in critical condition. So there are situations where this has impacted people who are not in the demographic. And the responsible mm-hmm. thing to do is to try to slow this as much as possible so that the equipment and the supplies are available uh, to treat the people that are coming in. And 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 I'm not going to change that. Everything that has happened since we last talked a week ago in terms of in Pennsylvania, they've shut down every non-essential business in every single county. It's not like I could go do anything anyway other than sort of be the way I am being politically. <laughs> oh, boy. As far as dissent, <laughs> right? Dissenting a status quo, yeah. right? But, but yeah. that is – but that – especially in this scenario, is extremely irresponsible. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I've come to that conclusion, and I'm, I'm ready to do my part. My family's ready to do their part. I don't think we get it 100%. It's kind of surreal. It's almost like you're watching an episode of The Walking Dead. There are times, and there are things that I said on the last show about the media and the way that they dealt with this, especially in the early going, that was extremely discouraging and frustrating and irresponsible. And I don't take that back. Um, but I think I was focused on the wrong things when I became upset with those, uh, with that scenario. Sure, sure. 
Well, I, you know, look, I think that there's a lot to be questioned about in terms of our our not just our politics, but our um, outlets we listen to and and all that. The problem is to me is that I mean there is there is truth, right? There is it's not objective, it's not it's not you know questionable. There is truth out there, and um, uh, you know I'm someone probably that. Uh, is not pro- prone to want to buy into, you know, uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, generally, that's just the way that I am and where I'm built. So, you know, perhaps that's, uh, um, that makes me less likely to buy into things. The like, tinfoil hats uh, enough, the JB Vatses would call yeah. you naive. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Yep. And and there are certainly opportunities when that happens, but more often than not, uh, I think those situations bear themselves out to be correct. And, uh, you know, the tinfoil hats just go on to look for the next, uh, you know, insane thing to, 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 to ply their, uh, um, their tinfoil, I guess, towards point their tinfoil towards maybe. But, you know, I, I, I look at, I look at this situation and, and it's, it's truly regrettable. Um, you know, there was better planning available. There was better opportunities available um, for this government uh, to take advantage of. They chose not to, um, probably in favor of political expediency and, and a desire not to unreasonably scare the public. And I think that we will bear the cost of that probably over the next couple of weeks. Um, that may be not the, 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 the safest thing to say on a But on who a knows? But but who knows? Well, but look at what's going on. You know, look at Italy. Look at what's happened in places where they're having similar numbers and 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 a a slower response um, of the people and a slower response of the government. Well, so here's the thing I like: freedoms. And as a result, let's tie this to the Boston audience, right? Like, not everybody's a Boston audience, but we know we have tons of Italians who have listened to this show since the mid 2000s, right? Absolutely. Right from the beginning or early in, we used to have uh, at least, I think we had uh, like Fabio isn't one of them, but we had several Italian listeners that used to call into the show when it was a toll-free call-in webcast before they'd even won their 17th championship. Right. And, 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 and so they would know better because they're, what, 16 days ahead of us or whatever uh, we think. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's an exponential kind of thing. Once it takes off – you know, it doubles every day and those numbers can grow very rapidly. There's going to be hot spots in the country where it's going to get more out of control than others. But I can tell you, uh, my wife and I kind of planned. We went out shopping on Saturday. We went out to dinner for the last time on Saturday night. The kids went over to their friends. We got a little bit more shopping done on Sunday morning. But the whole idea was let's just not go bananas and buy too much toilet paper and get you know, like all crazy on hand sanitizer. And again, that's also irresponsible and selfish. Mm-hmm. But 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 outside of that, like, you know, let's just kind of prep ourselves, you know, for a few weeks. It's not like we won't be able to go to the grocery store if this thing takes off. We're just going to have to be very precautionary and limit how often we go out. And, you know, there's, you know, all of that. Wash your hands, everything that you've read. But the thing that um, the thing that on Saturday that I saw was all the people taking pictures of going into bars in Boston in packed and crowded areas and thinking to myself, St. Patrick's Day is coming right around the corner and they're going to have to do something. 
like you know they like cuz a lot of people aren't taking this seriously and maybe they will be okay or maybe they won't be okay but it was clear that government intervention was going to have to take place and um and it did and so to your point about you know whatever's happening on a national scale on a state level i think that especially in the northeast you've seen pretty strong reactions uh, and corrections. People saw that and they began to shut things down. And I know that there's going to be a ton of people who were like, go Justin last week. They're going to be upset with me this week <laughs> as they listen to the show, you know, especially yeah. in lieu of the state level sort of, but why not just wait? Why not just do this for two weeks? How much of an inconvenience is it to do this for two weeks and just see what happens? Cause if we're wrong, no big deal, right? right. We'll right. all be okay. We'll move on, and there'll be bountiful amounts of toilet paper for all of us. That's right. right. All the squares. All the squares and, for and everyone. Seriously, Facebook is only <laughs> coronavirus and toilet paper for at least seven days straight now. But right. but the point is, is like, let's let's give it two weeks. Let's take those 16 days that they are saying. And see what happens. If it's all a sham, no big deal. Back to life as usual. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. But, but otherwise, let's be let, – if it goes the other way, let's be grateful that the states did what they did. And so it's two weeks. It's two weeks, everybody. Give it two weeks. Let's see. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's the I think that's the right approach. Give it time. Let them let them see what they can do, and and hope that we can we can get this uh, somewhat uh, resolved. But you know, I think I, I think that that makes too much sense in some ways. You know, and and that's been the approach that the White House has tried to push forward today, and really saying. Um, you know, this is you know, fifteen days. You know, and now it's 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 fifteen days. I thought days, Trump got days, really aggressive days. today on this whole thing. Finally, he, like yeah, a one eighty, yeah, a, a one eighty, but 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 good, right? Yeah. Because I think that was. See, here's what's funny about it: is the states kind of went in soft, but when yeah. Trump finally went in, he went in hard. <laughs> Which is just so his personality. Well, I would, I would, I would probably push back on. It. I'd say that there were states that were pushing back this weekend pretty hard. I'd say you know Ohio was doing a lot of stuff. Um, you know New York, you know, the places with high populations. I'm not say high incidence, but high pop, you know, big populations were were I think going. But they were. The they were. But, but they, they were toe stepping. They were toe stepping. They were saying like. Try not to be around crowds of 50. You know what I mean? Like, consider no. not. They didn't no, they mandate. Were, no, they no, were mandated. Mand, they did not mandate till Monday. They did. Like my they state mandated. of Pennsylvania. I don't know what Pennsylvania did. I'm just telling you, New York was mandated by, by Sunday. Um, I think Ohio was on, on Saturday. Um, there, were, there were states who were making, making moves. But, you know, in these cases, you want the federal government to lead. You know, you want the federal government with the best experts and the best doctors to be setting the tone. It shouldn't be states leading on this, really. But, okay, that's what has to happen given where we are. You know, and I think that there has been deference given to the federal government, and I don't think they've responded um, 
properly in my mind, but that's, you know. <laughs> We're 18 minutes into a Celtics podcast Damn and right. haven't talked about one thing Celtics, but we have talked about what is on everybody's mind. And you may or may not realize that I'm three rye whiskeys in. And I want to talk about <laughs> – I want to talk. St. Patrick's Day. We're here to entertain, St. and Patrick's I also Day. want to talk about what people are doing to pass the time. So, like, I know what people are doing who are not paying attention to the, you know, in some places, in some states, you don't have a choice, right? They're shutting everything else down, so it is what it is. Um, but I definitely, I think we're all. We touched upon this before, but the whole human side of this, as far as how people are dealing with it, you know, emotionally, their behavior. And to your point, there's definitely a lot of changes in the way that we're acting um, crazy and otherwise. Right. Lots of different adjustments. So let's hit the let's hit the let's hit the ad reads real quick and then we'll come back. And I want to talk about the things that are on our mind. Will there be a season? What are we going to do about – or not what are we going to do, but what are they doing to take care of the people who normally have jobs to for the upkeep of the, of the TD Garden? We want to talk about okay. that. And, and, and even if there isn't a season, like how do they even approach free agency? There's some really weird things that could come as a fallout here. So, okay, we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But I didn't know this until recently, and it's taken my TV-watching game – to the next level, you can use VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. And we've talked about this with the Celtics before, but now we're talking about movies because, again, no sports for all of you. And so over the weekend, I used ExpressVPN to binge watch Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It was so simple. I just fired up the ExpressVPN app, changed my location to UK, refreshed Netflix, boom, that's it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you are located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love anime? (laughs) Use ExpressVPN. (laughs) Dude, that was so good. To access, to access, <laughs> and boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> boom! <laughs> you get access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not. <laughs> How do you say that with a straight face? <laughs> How do you say it with three rye whiskeys? <laughs> this, this is the best ad read ever. Uh. <laughs> but it's not just netflix <laughs> you're gonna have to not. do it dude you're gonna have to do it <laughs> all right dude uh, by the way most people wouldn't even say anime correctly if they saw this ad okay. read i will go back love anime no i got it no, right, no no no, no, no i'm, I'm, I'm rusty with you, you from your it. All right, use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. Really? And it's but it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, 
YouTube, you name it. There's hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash CSL, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash CSL. Boom goes the You want dime. me to hit the battle line? I'll do the battle line. All right, go for it, go for it. Because uh, that'll be easier. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. And seriously, what the hell else are you going to do? Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts, golf, Esports, XFL, and many more. Speaking of esports, remember our boy Jonas Jerebko? Hell yeah. If you're in entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections. Oh, they want to tee up the politics. Uh oh. And and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, bet online, your full access wagering solution. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, bet online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign up bonus, Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Boom. It's amazing I can still pull that off. This is... It is. It really is. Big time. What are we going to do? All right. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to talk about the garden thing? I want to talk about the garden thing, because that's that's really important. Right. Yeah. Then then we'll talk about will there be a season, and if not, what does that do to free agency and all It goes into the money stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, real quick. Disgusting. This is going to be a joke. The the salary cap, like, you can bet Hayward's coming back, because there ain't no other options at this point. Yeah. Well, and then, but, well, okay. I'll, I'll hold on to that. But, look, so... Every NBA team, the, every NBA team, uh, except for the Celtics, um, their game night staff are being paid in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Gail Benson today pledged a million dollars towards a fund that will go towards funding um, the salaries for those impacted around the Pelicans. That was the 29th team. The Celtics today would have been the 30th team. Now, the Celtics pledged today to pay for their game day staff. Uh, kudos to them. Uh, kudos to our guy, uh, John Corrales for, uh, um, championing the cause, seriously championing it. This dude was bringing that conversation to the forefront quickly and early. Yeah. I mean, this is, it needed to happen. So I, I think this is great. I think it's wonderful. Um, that's the, you know, the attendance, the ball boys, that's, that's all those folks. Here's the problem I have, right? Celtics did the right thing by their folks. What about the guy? What about the ushers? What about the folks working the concession stand? What about the security people? 
that's the vast majority of the people who are working on in that in that arena night after night. Those are the people who are not going to have checks because there's not going to be uh, an arena to go to. They work concerts. They work Bruins games. They're not going to get paid, and that's a real problem to me. Now, let's look at who pays them. Is it the Celtics? No, it is not. Who pays them? Delaware North, who owns TD Garden. Who's Delaware North? That would be also the owners of the Boston Bruins. That would be Jeremy Jacobs and family. Why are they not stepping up? Almost every NHL team has committed to pay to their game day staff, including their in-arena folks. Why are the Bruins not doing that? And why are they not looking after those ushers? That's a problem. I think that's I think that's embarrassing in, in this world and what we're dealing with right now to have a major sports franchise not willing to help out their folks. I think is a complete joke. Uh, and I hope they I hope there there's some retribution for them and what they're doing right now. Uh, why they're the only ones that can't figure this out after four days of their season being shut down. I don't understand. So that's my little soapbox. I'm no, pissed. I mean, you make a good point. There's. Once precedent gets set, it's an outlier and a very obvious outlier when you don't get in tow. You know what I mean? Like, if everybody else can afford it, why can't you? It's one thing to say. And look, this is really the biggest issue across the board. Like, this this shutdown is going to be devastating to so many people. Like, I'm definitely concerned, you know, uh, about this situation, but I'm also concerned about like bartenders, waitresses. Sure. Like there's no, in a lot of cases, I'm not saying in all cases, in a lot of cases, there's no retirement fund. I mean, some of the bigger restaurants, you know, like the Olive Gardens, the Darden owned industries, I'm sure there's retirement funds and packages and things like that. But, but when you're talking about your average independently owned and operated bar or restaurant, especially in downtown Boston, they're not owned by big corporations that have all of those benefits necessarily. And so those people survive on the tips and the being able to work. And if they're smart, they've squirreled away a little bit of money. But how many of those people are just fresh out of school, maybe four or five years, and there's literally no income coming in? So on the one hand, I'm concerned about all the things that you're saying here. And I think, you know, for the organizations that have lots of money and have had lots of money coming in to support a a workforce like this is a drop in the bucket. But there's another workforce out there that doesn't have that benefit. And it's really scary the way that it's going to impact our economy long term. Like I'm I really you know, we've we've thrown out two weeks because that's what most states are doing in terms of like shutting down schools just to see what's going to happen. But I'm legitimately concerned that if this rolls out six, maybe eight weeks that, yeah, we could be going into a depression, you know, kind of thing with the economy. But I'm, I'm really concerned about the people who just don't have a savings who are early on, you know what I mean? And, you know, maybe not a career, you know what I mean? But in those like service industries, like seriously, how are they going to survive? It's really right. scary. Well, we're, we're talking about having, uh, you know, you can't dine in, you know, so everything's takeout. That's kind of the, the new direct the CDC wants. Well, 
when you have four wait staff on an, in, a, in your average restaurant or re, you know reasonable sized restaurant, what are those four wait staff going to do? They're going home, you know, and they're being laid off. So and they're not getting um, a paycheck. Absolutely, and and those folks aren't they're they're living paycheck to paycheck, or really they're living shift. And to who shift. cares if you suspend their rent? You know what I mean? Right. Because it's going to take a little while before they can ramp back up. Exactly. You know, they still going to buy food. Right, and who's going to have disposable income to then go out and go to restaurants and go to bars and go to, you know, to do the Everybody's going to be those. trying to recover. It's, it's going to be a, right, and that's the place people aren't going to be spending money. So there's a there's a real you know cyclical issue with this. Um, you know, there obviously there was some um, paid leave that was you know passed by the House and the Senate by not by the Senate yet, which who knows what the heck's going to happen. But that's taking too long. I mean, it's crazy as fast as this is going, but it's taking too long. And the Senate not taking action on this and not giving people peace of mind. You know, look, this is our government is there to take care of the people. Okay, not to do things for the people, but to take care of the people. And when when you're in crisis, and this is this is a different war, this is an invisible enemy. Uh, you have to look at these things. And you're right, I, I'm worried about all those folks. I also look at in the case of to bring it back, Delaware North being a multi-billion-dollar valued company. They have the assets and the wherewithal to pay these individuals, not just a TD Garden, but a Comerica Park and at least a couple other ballparks uh, across the country. They have the wherewithal to do this. They can do this and operate and, and, and still they turn a profit just fine. Why can't their shareholders take a little bit less and they make sure that these people can – keep their rent, keep heating their homes, feed themselves. I mean, that seems to be for a couple weeks, a few weeks of whatever's left of a regular season. I think that's a reasonable request. We're talking about a month here. We're talking about a month left of the regular seasons of both of um, both of these situations. I would think that's something that they could accomplish. That's yeah, they should do it. No, no you're right. They should do it. They should 100% do it. Try to help out as much as they can because reinvesting in those people is what's going to help make our economy recover faster. That's the other thing. It's not just about – like you can say, oh, we're just – maybe there's an altruistic nature here, but it's more than that. It's actually self-survival. If you don't take care of those people, you're not going to get people in the door. They're not going to pay those same ticket prices. They're definitely not paying $8 for a hot dog. Like the whole thing has downstream effects um, and adjusts everything. The more you can prop people up. Now, if this gets to three months, it won't matter. I mean, that's the truth. Um, it's a sh- the, the well, short term run on this is yeah. one thing, but if flattening the curve means you know three to six months of down economy, you know, and limited, uh, you know, people limiting you know, non-essential businesses, that's a whole different hit that it's just a different conversation. It's not the same conversation. What we're hoping is, what we're hoping is that as the weather warms up, as we get into the meat of spring, that it will knock this down like it would with the normal flu. And there's a lot of Stanford research that would support the fact that high temperatures will start to kick this thing in the ass, which would be awesome. Um, And if it can be 30 to 60 days, uh, depending on, you know, uh, what latitude you're at, that would be awesome. 
mm-hmm. we would definitely recover better and we would recover better with stimulus packages and investments like this. Lowering uh, the interest rate has nothing to do with nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that is uh, that is a, a nice gesture that is going to have no impact or limited impact uh, for the most part. You know, uh, Stay in the I, house we, when the foundation's falling in. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and well, and that's and that's you know what are you gonna do? You're gonna refi your house right now, you yeah. know, and, and pay a fee to, uh, to refi your house on a you know maybe you know what I mean? But I don't think that's what that's available for. No. So uh, it might be available for an equity line, but it's definitely not available for uh, for a refi refi most likely. So uh, all those things are considerations. All those all those things are. You know, nice little stimulus kind of concepts, but at the end of the day, you got to put some of your money back to support, you know, the whole, and we'll see what happens. I don't know that we're going to have an NBA. I We might have an NBA. This is my prediction. We might have an NBA playoffs, but it'll be based on the standings today. The NBA season is 100% over in my mind. you got three players, right? We've seen Gobert, we've seen Mitchell, and then Christian Wood just popped up. I think we got to talk about Gobert because, you know, he acted like kind of a doofus, but, you know, especially me, that that's <laughs> I am in no position to criticize that man for acting that way when he didn't even know he had the diagnosis because my attitude last week was totally different. And I would also encourage everybody to just give him a freaking break already. It was way early in the development of this. You know, most of the population hadn't even accepted that it was a reality yet. And I understand why teammates would be upset. But definitely when you look at the demographics, those guys are going to be far less likely to suffer consequences. And everything we've seen is Gobert feels okay, Mitchell feels okay, Wood feels okay. Um, These are, you know, athletes with really uh, strong bodies, young players. And ones typically when you're in that kind of a shape, you've got a great immune system. So I'm not saying that that's a guarantee, but I'm saying let's take it a little easy on Gobert. Let's understand the humanity of this. And not everybody was an early adopter of the situation, especially when (laughs) nobody, nobody in the country was actually sick yet. Jeez, I don't know. I don't know anybody like that. It wasn't a. Not, it wasn't an early adopter. No bear to make an excuse for myself. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He wasn't alone. And 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 honestly, if we're gonna make a call towards humanity, it's going to it's going to require forgiveness of people that were in Gobert's shoes as well. I no, I, I, I that's true. I I think the issue is that. The, I think the the initial response was, um, you know, he took it from us. You know, I think a lot of people felt that. They felt, oh, you know, it's because of Gobert. I think now in retrospect, with a little bit of a, a broader brush here that we've seen in the last week, it's more than Gobert. <laughs> you know, it was it was it maybe was too too early, too late, honestly, before they should have you know called the whole thing. But you know, in a way, also thanks thanks to Gobert because if he doesn't you know get that uh, diagnosis and and the and that league doesn't stop, where are we as a society? Uh, you know, I talked about the fact that people's lives didn't change. That changed a lot of people's lives, and it made a lot of people stand upright and say, "Oh, okay, whoa, this is we're in a different place now." 
And I think that, that maybe in the end, kind of like with Len Bias, honestly, with, with you know his passing, changed a whole lot of people's views of cocaine in the mid-'80s. I can tell you that. Growing up, being a kid, knowing that just one time could kill someone, well, maybe we've learned more about Len Bias than that, but we also I was going to say, that I'm not sure one time of, is fair. No, but, but that uh, changed. You probably but it, didn't but, change our but it changed. It, it changed, I think, a lot of people's attitudes. And I think that that maybe that's what will come out of this. You know, it's unfortunate. He's going to take a lot of slack for it. I think the bigger issue is that that's, you know, if I'm if I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm not happy with the guy. I can tell you that. I don't think that changes. But, um, you know, it whatever. It should. It, it, it absolutely should because they all would have caught it or Donovan Mitchell would have got it regardless of what he did. It was a cavalier attitude, but we've come to find now that it's airborne. It's not just droplet spread, which is sneezing in your face and doing all those things. It's airborne. It's hovering around. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Donovan Mitchell could have been in that locker room and Rudy Gobert could have been the most responsible human being in the world. You know what I mean? Not even being aware, but washing his hands and going bananas and it still could have spread to Donovan Mitchell. That's ignorance too. You know what I mean? Ignorance is just, is not just on the people, you know, who are seemingly cavalier or not conscientious, et cetera, et cetera, who don't take an issue seriously. Cavalier is also on the people who think that 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 source is that simple. You know what I mean? Cavalier is the attitude that it's so singularly responsible. You know what I mean? That way. And that's not true either. Donovan Mitchell is just as cavalier. If he blames it all, I'm not saying he is. So don't get me wrong, not pigeonholing either of them, but I'm just saying like, if Donovan Mitchell did place all of the responsibility on Gobert and hated singularly on Gobert, that that's just as cavalier as, as Gobert's attitude as I'll never get it. Yeah, I, I think I think the issue I take with is 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 making light of it and 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 clearly doing so for a period of time. Um, and look, there were a lot of jokes made early on, but. Um, it, there is a bit of, um, I think, karmic piece of all this that, that the one who is making the jokes and making it seem like, oh, this is this is nothing is the one who gets it. Um, when we all should have been taking it a lot, little bit more seriously. I think by then probably we should have known a little bit more than we did and, and maybe not play that, particularly someone who, who's from France. I mean, they're two weeks ahead of where we are. So think about where we are now. Um that's going on in his country in, in, you know, right now. So is that the right approach? Probably not. But anyway, I, probably we're, we're – I, I don't at, – at this point, I think the bigger concern, and, and, and we're kind of spitballing, I guess, here, is talking about what this does to the, the broader scope of where this goes. Now, we're going we're gonna to have a show next week. We're going to be going weekly, and I don't know if we'll be talking as much about politics next time, but – in terms of the Celtics and in terms of what this does, I agree with you. I think you're going to end up probably with a season that that's playoffs only and that goes into the summer, uh, well into the summer, which I have no problem with at all. Um, that's assuming, obviously, we can get started here by May-ish, June-ish, um, and people are – we've bent the curve sufficiently. But, you know, 
there's some salary cap issues that I think are going to crop up here. You know, next year. Is what's this enough time off to prevent injury? That's well, my question. Yeah. Well, I think a bigger question is <laughs> like could about, Golden forget State, about this year. Could Golden State find their way? No, no, I realize they're out. Well, of no, but, but but could Kyrie and 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 Kevin Durant come back? I mean, that's a that's a kind of an interesting There's piece. Some really weird. Curry came back. Right? You know, I don't think it doesn't make sense for Clay to come back because they're out of it. But but next season becomes really interesting. Whether they play or don't play the rest of this year, if you delay the start of next season, uh, like some have wanted to do, to have you know, the season start, let's say on Christmas, um, and kind of and, and get out of competing with football altogether, but really go up against baseball, um, that's a really interesting kind of situation. Um, I'm not sure if teams would like that. They might like to have their summers off rather than fighting through the playoffs and some of the, the best uh, weather of the year, but, but so be it. And certainly will people want to go inside to watch basketball? That, that may be another, another question, but I think as a, if this does happen and, and uh, the, you know, the safety of, of our society, I guess, is assured, and they can go ahead and play basketball. I think it's worth a try. I think it's worth a try to start the season late, give people their regular rest um, between the end of this season and the start of next, and start start the season a little bit later and see how it goes. Uh, I think, you know, why not use this situation and try to find some silver lining to the cloud? Because it you know, this is certainly not ideal, and and maybe you can find ways to make the game better out of it. Um, that's to me, that's the best that could come out of this terrible situation for the NBA. Uh, but it also to go along with that. Here's the other thought: if it hurts next year's revenues as well, which it could, what does that do for all these teams that are trying to get enough cap space for Giannis? I mean, th- this really goes pretty crazy when you start to think about how this. There's can- no money. Of the whole thing squeezes exactly. down. Yeah. There's no money. The whole thing squeezes down. Very few players move teams. Right. That's the bottom line. Um, right. Because the salary cap is totally dependent on all this. Mm. Um, it will reflect what happens with the economy. And 100%, that is a downturn. There's yep. no doubt. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, now, there, at some point, there will be a new TV deal. We're actually not far away from, from that new TV deal kind of kicking in and creating another bump, maybe not quite at the, at the magnitude we saw in 15, but we're not far away from that as well as we get towards 21, 22. So that changes things. What will streaming do? All these people who are sitting at home right now who can't work, what are they doing? Are they turning on their TV, their cable boxes, or are they firing up Netflix right now? Does that further you know, give more credit and more power to the Netflixes and Hulus and streaming services of the world. I mean, I, I think we're, we're really just scratching the surface of how this American culture can change in the course of the next. The two- whole online revolution now yeah. takes on a very new attitude. And I will tell you, like in my professional career, you know, I, I started another podcast in healthcare and it was Wait, a business by accident. Stepping out on me. No, I know uh, that. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, surprise. No. Um, by the way, this is my last show of CSL. No, just kidding. No, I, so, 
started this other one. It's been two and a half years, but that turned into a business, you know, somewhat by accident, but it's consulting, et cetera. But a lot of what that company does is takes a, takes advantage of social media, online platforms to do marketing and healthcare, something that really healthcare is way, way behind um, in that industry. And it also leverages expertise in a certain area of healthcare, a niche and a nuance, but mostly around surgical services. The point being this, um, with everybody's conferences canceling and the needs of education and training still going up, um, it's creating an opportunity for that business. And it's unfortunate. And, and I'll tell you, I have another business that I own that's in vendor credentialing in hospitals. And it's all about monitoring the non-employee population. So vendors and construction contractors and visitors. And it's, this is also creating an opportunity for the, for that business to be able to help hospitals take manual processes that they've implemented temporarily and help them make them electronic. Do you know how hard it is in a situation like this to stay sincere and not feel like you're exploiting the situation for the benefit of your business? But at the end of the day, what you just said about online you know, businesses and the way that people um, interact – there's just less risk outside of the IT sort of hijacking risk. Everything else is less risk by moving towards online platforms. The scary part is the human interaction. All the complaints that we make about the phone stealing us from our family, our ability to have, you know, social interaction that's meaningful for any kind of extended period of time before somebody at the table picks up their phone and disconnects. And it's real. It's happening to all of us. And so there's a tit for tat. There's an adjustment. There's an evolution. There's going to come a social responsibility with that evolution at some point. And we're on the cusp of it, but we're not quite there. But it 100% is going to change the way business is being done in America over the next decade. And and uh, you can definitely guarantee that this situation is going to impact that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's absolutely true. And, and I think that we can, um, you know, the, the, uh, the Celtics uh, – if, if we talk about a world just to bring it back to, to where we are, um, the Celtics are actually well poised in a scenario with a shrinking cap number. And now probably Ryan Bernardoni is going to tell me I'm wrong about that, but I'm going to, I'm going to say a situation where the Celtics can hold on to their, their people, you know, retain a, a Jason Tatum, retain a Jalen Brown, um, you know, have Marcus Smart on a low number, have a, a Kemba Walker under under contract, um, a Gordon Hayward unable to really go elsewhere because there aren't numbers available for him that he can beat here or uh, beat elsewhere. I, I think that's a better solution. Now, the Celtics may be in a situation with Kemba Walker that they may not want to be given that knee has been giving him some trouble. Uh, but. But let's 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 wait and see a little bit more. Um, you know, one 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 season and, and really at the end of that's kind of a what I've seen lately situation rather than, you know, some sort of 
prolonged period where we can say, aha, this is an issue. So I'm just going to sit back and, and wait on that one. But uh, I, I think, you know, I think the Celtics are, are well poised. And, and now who knows what happens with Well, the, you know, the, the only thing they accomplished this season was stay healthy. So if we could just do a postseason, right? Like, yeah. and yeah. this whole, you know, hammy's done for Jalen Brown, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I got to – so let me ask you this. Do you think they'll do – do you think they'll let teams – begin to practice together like in a two-week ramp-up and then roll right into playoffs? And let me ask you this. Do you think they'll use this opportunity to go into a tournament style, which is something that has been discussed as an alternative sort of plan for the NBA that would be very disruptive to the status quo of how this uh, has this organization has run? So do you think there's a potential – for a everybody in tournament, because I do. I, I th- very I much think it could do. happen. The only thing that, that kind of gets in the way um, uh, gets in the way of that is the idea that they need to get the gyms and, and to try to find arenas to play in. It seems like that's reading some of Woj's latest stuff. It seems like that's a real area of interest to try to figure out where these teams can play. Especially in the situations it's not where, just where the they can play, it's teams about don't when we, know where yeah. they they don't own the the arena, so they can't you know the Celtics can't tell TD Garden and Jeremy Jacobs and company who are screwing over their uh, their uh, <laughs> their employees. Um, he can't so you know Wick can't call up and say hey I need it on uh, you know June eighth or July eighth for a playoff game. He can't do that you know so. They're looking at alternatives. You know, Solis could be playing games at, at you know, at, uh, the BU's arena. They could be playing at uh, the, they could be playing at the Auerbach Center, according to, you know, what some of these uh, reports were today. So I, I don't well, know not? where they are, but well, why it, not? Because the TV revenue is there and exactly. that's all lost revenue. It right. doesn't matter. It does matter to me if the fans are there because. Man, just uh, boy, did we sneak it in our trip to Boston and the Houston game? <laughs> like yeah. just under the wire, did we get that in? Right, because yep. literally a week later, the next thing you know, like I'm so grateful that we had that opportunity this year. You know, so much up against the wire, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I I would think that the NBA would want to make the money, and if if they do a tournament style. They're probably going to get more TV revenue. They could even charge for it, even a nominal cost to to watch the NBA playoffs online, right? Um, yeah. And and this could be disruptive in a very positive way. One of the things that's very uh, disappointing about the way that the NBA uh, approaches its broadcast rights, and I've complained about this before and said it's an issue when we've talked about NBA league passes. I don't mind paying the extra money, even though I can get it for free, you know, right? There's plenty of streams yeah. that I can access and not pay for it and watch every game. But I'm a loyal supporter, and I'm willing to pay for it. But blacking me out because I don't have a cable subscription and it's on TNT is absolute BS, and if they do that, I think coming out of the gate with no fan base that is going to actually be in the buildings, it's going to be a strategic mistake. 
Yeah. It's, and and I think that this every time you have something as disruptive of as this is, you have true innovation. You have true change. You have true revolution. I really hope, really, really hope that NBA League Pass uses this to get leverage, does something different. I'll be honest with you. I don't care about the regular season. If we had three tournament-style things in the NBA as the quote-unquote regular season with one big league championship at the end, you know, sort of based on performance in these, you know, tournaments throughout the year, I think that would be exciting. I like competitive basketball. I like the way that the players rise to the occasion when something is really on the line. And there are games, and definitely games that happen frequently inside of the TD Garden that feel like NBA playoff games. But how many times during the 82 regular game season do you hear somebody say, tonight was like a playoff game? Well, you know what? When you're paying 300 bucks a seat, every night should feel like a playoff game. Wow. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Get off his lawn, too. Uh, (laughs) 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 No, I agree with you, though. No, it it should. And I think that's what we're going to end up seeing is – is good basketball, but, but they have to find a way to incentivize the regular season being, um, more worth, more, more worthwhile and more. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. All Let's right. Let's do this. Are we done? We're Holy done. Moly. It was an hour. Yeah. We barely even talked about the Celtics. Hey, I hope people are entertained and I hope that people can use this podcast to kind of get through some of the doldrums. Uh, because there's definitely going to be some downtime here. John and I will be back, and we might not talk a whole lot about the Celtics, or we might talk a whole lot about the NBA and the Celtics. Who knows? We just appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Probably no outtakes, but I will say this. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke Arnfeld. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can support the show by subscribing to Sell This Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We love it if you give us a radio review because your feedback is important to the show. For Stafford, Samuel Lyons, executive producer Larry Charles, and the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Jones, over my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Sell This Stuff Live. And if you're still listening, John, take it home. Something stuff rye, you mean? Ha <laughs> ha! You're welcome. Ah!